with your hands in the air. We're going to the Lord in prayer. I believe in the power of prayer. God can change anything in your life. In just a few moments, the life-giving word of God is go going forth. And I have been gripped by the story I'm getting ready to share. And I know that today somebody is in this audience that God wants to change their life forever. Every hand in the air, heads look to heaven. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this day. I give you praise, glory, and honor. Today, I pray that you will saturate this sanctuary with your power and presence. That the strength of God would flow in that the power of God would be demonstrated. May lives be changed and may your people be strengthened. I pray that you will do a supernatural work like only you can do, that you will touch lives forever. And I pray all of this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Give the Lord thanks for you. The word of the Lord this morning comes to us from the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, from the 10th chapter, and I'll begin reading at verse 1. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. He saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thy alms are come up for a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon whose surname is Peter. He lodgeth with one Simon a tanner whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. In fact, one translation shares verse 6 like this. He will tell you what you must do do, not what you can do by option, not what you should do if you're a part of a church affiliation, but he's going to very clearly tell you what you must do. And may the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. Chapters 8, 9, and 10 of Acts share with us an amazing dialogue of conversion. In fact, when I read in the 8th chapter, I read about an Ethiopian eunuch who was sitting in a chariot reading the word of God, and Philip, the evangelist, overhears or sees him reading 
and steps into the chariot by invitation. When he steps into the chariot and begins to speak to this man and ask him, do you understand what you are reading? The man did not understand, for he was reading from the 53rd chapter of Isaiah. He was reading from the Old Testament. And as Philip stepped in and began to speak to this man, there was something very powerful that happened. For the word of God says, when he asked him if he understood, he said, how can I except some man should guide me? And he desired that Philip would come up and would sit with him. The place of the scripture that he read was this, and it was from Isaiah 53. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter and a lamb dumb before the shearer. So he opened not his mouth in his humiliation and judgment. His judgment was taken away and who shall declare his generation for his life was taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee of whom speaketh the prophet this or of himself or some other man. I want you to take note of verse 35 of chapter 8. For the Bible says, then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. For the words of the prophet Isaiah were prophetic. They were of a time to come. They were speaking of a man who would come, who would be more than just a man. For this man would actually be Messiah. He would be God manifest in the flesh. And the Ethiopian eunuch was on that day made aware that the one that he read about from the Old Testament was none other than the Jesus of the New Testament. That's what Acts 8 and 35 declare to us. That when he got the revelation of Jesus, that as they were on their way, he saw water and said, here's water. What does hinder me to be baptized? And he said, you can be baptized if you believe with all of your heart. And he was baptized on that day. He was baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then the evangelist was caught away. And God gave us the story so that we could understand that here's a man who was hungry for God. And in his hunger for God, God revealed himself to this man. And the evangelist preached none other than Jesus. And then when I read in chapter 9 of the book of Acts, it is quite a different scenario for in this scenario was a man who was doing God's work, so he thought. He had letters from the officials to put these Christians out of business. In fact, he breathed out threatenings and slaughter towards the church. And everywhere he went, he would have them imprisoned. And he would even consent to their death. But God had an assignment on even what many would say was the worst of individuals. For in Saul was a man that God chose to use. And I don't know why God chooses to use the people he does. Because sometimes God chooses to use people that I wouldn't choose. The people that you and I would say, Lord, this one's qualified. 
This one has been through our Bible school. This one has all of our credentials. This one is more qualified. And God will reach past all of the brothers. And he'll select a young lad on the other side of the mountain who's just been tending sheep and said, this is the one that I will put my anointing on. And God chose Saul, the one who would have to fight against his own failure for the rest of his life in order to fulfill the call of God on his life. I don't care what your failure's been. I want you to know that God, God's assignment for your life is still manifest and it is still there. And God still chooses to use who he chooses to use. And who are we to stand in the way of God when he chooses to use who he chooses to use, how he chooses to use, and when he chooses to use. All he needs is somebody to say, Lord, if you could use anyone, use me. I don't feel qualified. I don't feel maybe even edified. But Lord, I submit to you, use me for your glory if you can. And you would be amazed at how God will use you for his purpose. And so I read in chapter 9 and the 5th verse that while he was on his way to Damascus, this man Saul, who had all of the credentials that a Jewish man would respect, while he was on the way, the Lord stopped him in his tracks. And a voice spoke to him. He saw a light from heaven. He was blinded. He would not eat for three days. In fact, when he answered back to the voice he heard, I love what the Lord said in verse 5, that Saul said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. He said, Saul, I've been nudging you for a while, and you've kept doing things your way, but it's hard for you to keep resisting me. And if I have to stop you on the path of your own journey and blind you and put you in a place where you can't do anything but wait for someone to come and pray for you, I'll do that in order to accomplish my will. I'm speaking to somebody here today. You've wondered why you've been stopped in your journey. You've wondered why it seems that you could see nothing else. And you've wondered why you've been play, put in a place where you cannot see tomorrow. Well, I've got good news for you. That while God is speaking to you, he's also speaking to one named Ananias. Who you would not have respected before this moment. And he'll send an Ananias to you. And Ananias will come even out of his own fear. And he'll lay hands on you. And he'll tell you, just like I'm getting ready to tell you, what you must do, what you ought to do, and what you need to do. Before it was over, you can read about Saul's conversion. Saul, who we know as Paul, who wrote the majority of the New Testament, we understand that he had a conversion experience. In fact, Ananias said, he said, Brother Saul, I like how he said that. I mean, before he was even converted, he went ahead and called him brother. Because God, what God had already purposed was going to come to pass. And he laid hands on him. He said, Arise, wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Do you know that when you read the book of Romans, if you have a chronological Bible, 
When you read the book of Romans, you will find in your chronological Bible, at least it is in mine, that it is inserted in the book of Acts that by the time you get to around the 19th chapter, you'll find that the book of Romans was written in that time. That as it was written right in the story of Acts, for those of you that would separate Acts from Romans and not want to validate the experience of Acts and only want to, to embrace the experience in Romans, you are missing the point that Romans was written during the time of Acts. Roman church was birthed in the time of Acts. It was literally birthed out of Pentecost. And then out of that, when Paul began to write, and whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord. That was an early New Testament Christian uh, way of talking about baptism. That literally when they were baptized, and you can study it out, some of the epistles talk about the fact that these were they which call on the name of the Lord. That they would call on the name of Jesus in front of their community as they were baptized. For some, it would seem to be even in opposition to the Jewish culture. For some, it would mean they would be persecuted and thrown in prison. But they called on the name of Jesus. And Jesus said, whoever calls on me, I'm not going to leave them comfortless. Not only did he remit their sins, but he sent to them the promise of the Holy Ghost. And I came to preach this message 23 years ago. And I just decided I'm not going to let this church go too far without hearing the conversion experience. Because you can have all kinds of religious experiences. You can give your body to be burned. I've been to some great cathedrals in the world throughout Europe. Places where people, I told you that I climbed in one place in Italy, stairs that were so high that I said I couldn't go to this church if I was in this community. I would be winded every Sunday. It felt like it was a mile up. And I'm sure that people felt like in the going up to the cathedral that they were doing something great for God. But when I got to the cathedral, I felt nothing but idol worship. I just saw pictures and images, but I felt no leading or unction of the Spirit. I have the Holy Ghost, and I know when the Holy Ghost is involved in a situation. I don't care how big your cathedral is. I don't care if Grandma and them went there for 150 years. If Jesus isn't in it, you leave Grandma and them in the hands of God, and you get yourself in truth, you get yourself in the way that only God has dictated through Scripture. And you let God begin to work out in you what He wants to work out in every generation that will follow you. You got to call on the name of the Lord. You must be buried in His name and filled with His Spirit. And Paul had the conversion experience and he was baptized in the name of the Lord. Read Acts 9. Acts 22 and Acts 26. For he shares his experience over and over again. And then the third conversion, which allows us to see three different experiences. This third conversion was of a man named Cornelius. He was an Italian. Any Italians in the house? A lot of people think I'm Italian with a name like Anthony. 
in a name like Ballestero, surely you enjoy some good pasta. I'm sorry to say I'm not Italian. I might have gotten an Italian name because all the Italian, I remember growing up, the uh, Julius, who was my barber, loved to call me Tony. And whenever I'm around older Italian men, they say, may I call you Tony? And I say, sure. But I'm not Italian. In fact, I'm of a Spanish descent and Greek descent. Got a little bit of Irish in me. And then the blood of Jesus and full of the Holy Ghost. So you go figure that out. He's made of one tribe and one tongue every Nash, isn't it amazing how we quickly assume when we look at somebody because of their skin color? Like we know where they're from. Like we know who they are. We know their story. I'm here to tell you that in these three chapters, God begins to deal with prejudice. Just because somebody prejudges a situation doesn't mean they're a racist. Sometimes we just, by our own nature, we prejudge people. We prejudge situations. But God wants to take some of the prejudice, some of that out of our hearts, so that we would be open to say, you know what, it is the will of God that the word of God go to all people, go to every nation, that he reach every part of our community. We pray that over every part of this city. I don't just limit my prayers to the city of Clearwater. I pray that God moves up to Tarpon Springs and gets a hold of all those Greek people and their sponges and soaps and all their good food up there. I pray he goes over to Tampa and gets a hold of all those Cubans over there and saves them. I pray that he goes and gets all the grandmas and grandpas who've retired no matter where they've retired in this area. I pray that God gets a hold of the vacationers. Y'all know who you are and he'll touch your heart. God bless you, but God also feel you and strengthen you. When we talk to people, they say, oh, you live in Clearwater. You must get to see the sunset on the beach every day. And I had to remind myself that I live in a place that people work all year long so they can spend one week here. It's a beautiful place. But we live in this city. And we are committed to a Holy Ghost outpouring and move of God in this city. Today, I just felt as we went in to September that I'm not done with this Divine Encounters series. That we spoke to you about Moses who had a divine encounter at the burning bush. And we spoke to you about Isaiah, how he saw the Lord. And we talked to you about John. But today I want to talk to you about a man named Cornelius. This man named Cornelius was a good man. Everybody say a good man. Y'all know any good men? Come on, just look up and down your aisle. Do you see any good people on your aisle? Oh, don't shake your head, no. <laughs> we all know some good people. Cornelius was a good man. In fact, the Bible said he was devout. That meant he was loyal to God. He didn't waver. He would have been somebody who consistently served God. He evidently was not satisfied with the worship that the Romans had provided to him. For he was, he was a Roman, he was Italian, but from Rome and a part of the Roman army, but was not content with their worship. 
that while he was stationed there among the occupying forces there among uh, the Israelites, he was there not because the Israelites wanted him to be there, but by command of the Roman government. But the influence of those that worshiped Jehovah had rubbed off on him. That he began to reject the idolatry that the Romans embraced. And he began to pray. The Bible said he prayed always. I don't believe there was a day that went by that he didn't pray. I believe that as you study scripture, you'll see and this chapter says that by the time he prayed the prayer in our text, he had been on the fourth day of a fast. He was not eating food. He was praying every day. And on that fourth day, while he prayed, an angel appeared to him. You can read about it in chapter 10. And when he looked on him, he said, what is it, Lord? And the Lord said, thy prayers and thy alms are come up for a memorial before God. The angel said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayers. And God has seen your alms. You don't think God sees what you give to the poor? The Bible said when you give to the poor, you lend to the Lord. Sometimes I see somebody begging for money, and if I'm not certain and I have a little something, I'll just give them something. Now somebody said, well, they, you know, they're taking advantage of people. Maybe they are. I don't give if I think they are taking advantage, but usually I try to give because I let God sort all of that out. Listen, the Bible said when you give to the poor, you lend to the Lord. Do you know God is a good banker? I mean, you think you're getting interest back and you're not getting much back on your savings account. I mean, go ahead and look at how much you're getting back. It's probably less than 1%. But when you give to the Lord, you are lending to the Lord. And God always pays back with interest. He always makes sure that when you give and it comes out of your hand, it doesn't leave your life. And he said, Cornelius, your prayers and your alms to the poor have come up like a memorial before God. You just keep praying prayers and the prayers keep stacking up. You just keep giving to the poor and the alms just keep stacking up. In fact, it's so stacked up that God said, I got to show up and I got to talk to this man because this is a man that I need to give more of me to, something I need to show him because there's something he needs to do. Cornelius was a good man. I mean, if you know a man that prays every day and a man that gives to the poor, a man that's devout to the Lord, some of you sisters who are looking for a husband, I want you to get a good man. I want you to get a devout man. I want you to give a man that's not so tight that he won't give nothing to the poor. I want you to get a good man and a godly man. But I got to tell you something about Cornelius. He was a good man, but good was not enough. Cornelius was not saved. I read some commentator this week who said, he said that Cornelius was already saved, sanctified, and set apart. That liar. Do you know what a commentator is? It's someone who has a comment on the word of God. 
You say, how do you say that? How can you say that with such boldness? Let me just tell you. Flip over to the 11th chapter of the book of Acts. That when it was all over, that this man named Cornelius had an experience with Peter. And Peter, you remember Peter. Peter was the one who preached in Acts 2 on the day of Pentecost. Well, here he is preaching a second Pentecost. The first Pentecost was to the Jews. But the second Pentecost is in Acts chapter 10, which is to the Gentiles. God covers all his bases. And he makes sure that if you're from another tribe, tongue, or nation, that you're not excluded from salvation. And here's what he began to say. I want you to look at this. Here's what he said as he related it back to those in Jerusalem. Peter said, and he showed us how he had seen an angel in his house, speaking of Cornelius, which stood and said unto him, send men to Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who shall tell thee the words whereby thou and all thy house shall be saved. Wait a minute, you're already praying. You're already giving alms. You're already devout. You already worship God, but you're not saved. But God loves you enough to not leave you in your goodness. He loves you enough to show up and say, while you're good and you're hungry, I'm going to show up and tell you what you must do in order to be saved. And he said, and as I began to speak, verse 15, the Holy Ghost fell on them as on us at the beginning. Then remembered I the word of the Lord, how that he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. For as much then as God gave them the like gift as he did unto us who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I that I could withstand God? I just came today to preach in the face of religious tradition and to tell somebody, and I believe you're here today because God interrupted your religious tradition and he told you that you got to get to that little Pentecostal church on the corner of Hercules and Union because there is something, and you're here this morning, there's something that a man is going to tell you to do. I don't come in condemnation. I come in, I come in humbleness because I've been wrestling with this since about Thursday. Saying, Lord, this is so simple. I don't even know that I want to come and bring this. I want to drop something deep on the people of God. But I couldn't get away from the fact that God is going to set a Cornelius in this house. And you're a good man. You're a good woman. You pray all the time. You're devout in your... I mean, you ain't going back from God no way. But God loves you so much that he sent this little boy here. Well, this 53-year-old man here to tell you that there's something he wants to give you. And it is a revelation of who God is. Because the one you've been praying about, the one you've been given in the name of, wants to reveal himself to you. And when he reveals himself to you, there's an experience that he wants to give you. It's called the experience of the Holy Ghost. so tired of people trying to talk people out of the experience of the Holy Ghost. 
Well, it was just for those in the book of Acts. If it was just for Acts chapter 2, then why did it happen in Acts chapter 10? Well, that was just for the Jews and the Gentiles. Then why did it happen some seven years between Acts 2 and Acts 19? In Acts 2 and verse 4, the Bible said, And they spake with tongues. They spoke in other languages as the Spirit of God gave the utterance. In Acts chapter 10, I'm, I'm ahead of myself. When they received the Holy Ghost. Still so many people get, well, I know I got the Holy Spirit because, you know, and I hear this phrase a lot. It's not a biblical phrase. Whew, well, I caught the Spirit. You know, the Spirit is like the wind. You don't know where it's come from or where it's going. And if you can catch the Spirit, then you're a better man than me. You can see things I can't. But the Spirit catches us. Paul said, he said, now I press for the mark that I may apprehend that for which I was apprehended. It was God who apprehended me on the road to Damascus. But now I'm spending the rest of my life trying to apprehend that thing that he got a hold of me for. By the time we get to the writings of Acts chapter 19, that the disciples of John were asked the question, that what were you baptized to? They said unto John's baptism. He commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. And they received the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues. This speaking of tongues is not the gifts of the Spirit which come by the Holy Ghost that the writer in Corinthians talk about. You got to get the Holy Ghost. And once you get the Holy Ghost, every gift flows out from there. Stop trying to talk people out of the experience. If it was good for the apostles, if it was good for Mary, the mother of Jesus, if it was good for the disciples, if it was good for all of these through Scripture, then it's good for you and I. And I've got to tell you today, you may be a good man or a good woman, but if you're like Cornelius, that you have not heard what you must do in order to be saved, then I've got to tell you today, there's something you must do. It's good. To pray every day. But you know people are praying all over the world. I was in an airport some time back. At a certain hour, about 6 o'clock, a carpet gets rolled out. And there's a man who falls and begins to pray towards his holy city. And he doesn't care who looks or who thinks what. But he does his prayer multiple times a day. I'm convicted by the people who pray to gods that cannot hear them. Who are devoted to idols that have no ears, that have no mouth to speak into their future. When you and I have a God that if we would just pray, supernatural things would happen. If we would just pray, God would begin to move on our behalf. And if we would learn how to let God cause us to be a vessel, that the needs of this community would be met. My heart has been stirred because we have multiple people, numerous people out of work in our assembly. There's so many needs that we can't meet all of the needs even in our local office. And I don't think that's God's will. Part of it is the fact that once we as a body 
honor God in our giving. If everyone did it, there would be no lack. We wouldn't have to have chicken dinners and, and serve hands. I mean, we'll still have chicken dinners, but we wouldn't have to do it in order to raise money. Do you know that God could cause us as a church to flourish so much if every member learned how to honor God? And then we could give to needs. We have needs right now. There's three or four families that have medical needs and have been affected, can't even work and pay rent and do things. And I can't meet all of the needs. But at the end of this service, I'm going to do something I haven't done in a long time. We're going to pray in this altar, but these doors, you're going to have ushers. And you don't give to be seen of men. But if God lays an amount on your heart, I don't care what it is. I just want you to slip it in the bucket. And then I'm going to ask the secretary to set it aside. And we're going to give everything that comes in that bucket to help these needy families in, in the church. We'll pray over it. And we're going to help them. Because I believe that it's important for us as a people not only to pray and then leave and see be filled and be warmed, but for us to pray and for us to meet the needs that we can. But do you know that's not enough to save you? I don't care what you do for charity. It's not enough. I don't care how much money you give. How many days you serve. What you do for those that are outside of these walls. That that goodness is not enough. I got to drive this point home. Because the, this man who began to fast and pray had an angelic visitation. And when he did, God activated something in the spirit. For the very next day, when this man had the visitation, the angel told him to send men to Joppa, some 40 miles away. In Joppa was Peter, who preached on the day of Pentecost. Peter was hungry, and again he went up on top of the roof as they prepared the food and he began to pray. As he started to pray, he fell into a trance. He had a vision and God showed him a sheep full of four uh, beasts, four-footed beasts and all kinds of creatures that Jewish people would not eat. And God said, arise, you're hungry boy, slay and eat. And he said, no, Lord, because I would never eat anything unclean. God said, what I've called clean, don't you call unclean. Three times God spoke to him. But God wasn't just talking to him about food. God was preparing him so he could understand about people. He was getting ready to send him to preach to someone he had never preached before. This is what God's going to do to some of you. You're going to speak to people of other nationalities. You're going to witness to people about Jesus that you wouldn't even have any idea that you could reach. You didn't know you were qualified to reach. And frankly, there'll be some you, don't even, you didn't even want to associate with. But when God begins to deal with you, he'll give you a vision for ministry. He'll help you see what needs to be done. And I love the story because Cornelius, who was not saved, prayed and God saw it that the next day there was a spiritual activation and Peter when he got to praying God had a divine encounter set for Peter because he was changing both men he was changing one man that was doing all he knew to do and he was changing another man that would have never gone to him and preached because of prejudice 
And God began to deal with his heart. And God said, some men are coming. I want you to go with them and go to Cornelius' house. By the time they get to Cornelius' house, something had been activated in the supernatural. This is what happens when we begin to pray, folks. I don't care if you don't have the Holy Ghost. When you begin to pray fervently to God and you begin to devote yourself to Him, you better get ready because I believe God encounters people who are hungry for Him. You don't have to know everything about who He is and the revelation of Jesus, but if you're sincere, God will speak it to you. He'll send somebody to you. He'll declare it to you. And something supernatural was activated in the spirit. I believe God wants to activate some supernatural things in this assembly. And you know where it's going to be birthed out of? It's going to be birthed out of prayer, Mother Tomlin. You've, dealt, you've spoken to me about prayer lately. And we, as the people in this assembly, we've just got to fervently pray. We have to pray in our homes. We have to pray in the house. We have to continue to pray along the way. As we pray, God will begin to put in our life divine appointments. He'll say, speak to that person. Go to that place. Do this. And while Peter stepped in to Cornelius' house, he said, had it not been for God, I wouldn't even be here. Because you know it's not lawful for a Jewish man to come into a Gentile's house. But God told me to come. So what is it? that you want. Cornelius worshipped him like he was a god because he knew the angel had spoken of him. He fell down at his hand, at his feet, and, Cornelius, and Peter said, get up, I'm just a man. Don't worship me. Worship God. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place today. And he began to preach to him. And as he began to preach to Cornelius and his house, there was something very supernatural that happened. In fact, as he began to preach to him, Peter opened his mouth and said this. He said, of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. That in every place where people fear God and attempt to do what is right, God's heart is inclined towards them. And God began to do a new thing in two men. He began to deal with Peter about his prejudice as to who should hear the gospel. And he also dealt with Cornelius about the fact that there's something I've got to tell you, Cornelius. All of your goodness is not good enough for salvation. And as he preached, the Holy Ghost fell on them. Look at verse 44 of chapter 10. While he spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision, which were about six men who had come with Peter, they were astonished. As many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. Peter could not finish his message before the Holy Ghost fell and confirmed the word. 
I so look forward to the day that the Holy Ghost just falls while the word is being preached. That is a confirmation of what God's doing in the house. That we can get beyond just our notepads and pens and just beyond four points and a poem and we can say, Holy Spirit, when I hear the word, let me not just hear the word, but let me receive what the Spirit is saying. Do you know if your heart is not open to receive what the Spirit is saying, that you can hear truth and never receive it? You can hear the Word of God preached, and the Word of God would be preached as a testimony of judgment in your life. Some of you were raised old school like me. The longest service I ever remember being in, my father preached for two hours and 45 minutes. I don't know how he did it. But nobody was keeping time. We didn't have social media. We didn't even have TV in our hall. We didn't have nothing to go home to. Church was our life. It was Sunday morning. My dad said while he was preaching, he saw two very tall men come through the back door and just sit in the back. He saw it, but he just kept preaching and didn't say anything. God had placed on his heart a very strong message and a warning to the people of that congregation. He said, as he preached on that day, I remember I was a kid. I sat somewhere along the front row, but I remember right about here. I remember people laid out around the building. Some of y'all remember services where people just worship until they laid out? I didn't understand all the Pentecostal words. I, re I remember Charles or Chucky down the street. He, was, he got into an argument with me. I was probably 12. And he said, y'all are just a bunch of holy rollers down there because I live behind the church. I said, we are not. So I ran home and asked my mama. She said, yeah, we are. <laughs> then I got to notice that every now and then somebody would fall out and roll around. I don't think you should do it to be seen of men. Some people just did it because they, did, they, they used to say, I don't have a suit that I can't get down and roll in. I don't have no dress. That, I mean, they did it as a way of humbling themselves before God. Well, the Bible doesn't say you have to do that. But they were just so hungry for God. They were just saying, I'm not going to let a suit get in the way of my worship. I'm not going to let a dress get. I'm hungry for God. But I remember everybody, people laid out, even minister on the platform. I remember my father, the pastor, he had a hanky over his face. And tongues and interpretation came in the congregation. Now, when there's tongues in a congregation, this is a gift of the Spirit, and it should always be followed by an interpretation. It's not used to lead the church. There's, God sets in the church a leader, but he'll give a word and a confirmation. And a word came separate from my father and said, I have sent my angels today to record what has happened in this service. Do you think that God is not mindful of these preaching sessions? Do you think that God is not mindful when the word of God comes? And this man, Cornelius, feared God. And when, and when Peter came, he was so humbled that he fell to his knees. And then Peter couldn't even finish preaching that he just received 
everything. So, Because, you know, Peter's message was a lot shorter than the way we preach. You could just read about it in about ten verses. But he began to talk about how God has anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost. And that he went around healing the sick. And he went about doing miracles. That that same Jesus, he was Lord of all. As he began preaching, the Holy Ghost fell. And they began to speak with other tongues. I'm finished today. But I want to say to Cornelius, you're in the house today and I know you're here. There's something you must do today. You don't have to do it down here in front of everyone. Oh, you can. Or you can do it in the back room. But I'm telling you, God sent a word for you today. You're a good man. You're a good woman. There's a lot that God has for you. You're influential in what you do, but you are not saved. And you will never accomplish the purpose that God has for your life until you are filled with his spirit. And the Bible said when they were filled with the spirit, they spake in other tongues. They did it just like they spoke in Acts chapter 2. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When I look at scripture, because I've heard people that have just kind of downplayed baptism, so I just began to go through these translations. The 48th verse, notice what it says. The NIV says he ordered that they be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. The King James and the New King James says he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. The NLT says he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. The NCV says he ordered that they be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. You remember chapter 11 said, he said, the Lord sent me to Cornelius to tell him what he must do in order to be saved. They received the Spirit. They were baptized in his name. And if the Apostle Paul was here today, you know what he would preach? He'd preach what I just preached right now, here today. Oh, he'd do a much better job than I would. He'd do a much better job than I would. And some of you would respond because it was the Apostle Paul. But I'll tell you what hasn't changed. This word. This word has been forever settled in heaven. And may God mark my words today as a testimony against every life that is seeking to know who he is. When you receive the word of God and you say, Lord, I've been searching for you. And then you hear the message of Jesus. All you have to do is believe and repent. When you repent... then you must be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission or forgiveness of your sins. And the promise of the Spirit is yours and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Can we give God praise today? Hallelujah. Stand to your feet this morning all over this building.
Would you lift your hands and worship him? Just all over this building. I want to create an atmosphere of prayer here this morning. Lift our voices just a little higher. Would you ask God to fill you with His Spirit today? Would you ask Him to fill you with His Spirit? Straddling the fence. Come on, 
just take a moment. Let's repent together and prepare our hearts to receive from the Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, we come before you today and we repent of every sin. We repent of every way, of everything that is not like you. We turn our heart from idolatry. We turn our heart from wickedness, from sin. We turn from our own ways and we turn to you today, God. And we declare today that from this day forward, we will follow you with all of our heart. Wash us in your blood today. Lord, we repent from every bondage, every addiction. We repent from all immorality. We repent from anything that would separate us from you. 